Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church Podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. It's one of the books of the Bible. It's in the New Testament, written by a guy named Luke. You got it. Look at that. Right on. So we're going to read chapter 2, 1 through 15. You can look up right here behind me, or if you brought a Bible, that's cool, or an app, whatever you're, whatever you're into. We're going to do, um, yeah, on the YouVersion app, we have all the notes if you want to check that out. Luke 2, verses 1 and 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first ever census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. I don't know if anyone here is expecting a child. If you are, congratulations. Maybe you're adopting a pet, a doggy, a little puppy, a kitty, parakeet, something. If you're looking for a name, Quirinius, that's a Christmas gift from me to you. You're welcome. You can have it, okay? You'll be the only Quirinius in town. What is going on here? You ever notice it's a weird way to start out the Christmas story? It's kind of strange. Luke is doing something interesting. Luke knew that we would have trouble with faith. He knew we would have hiccups, we would have struggles, we would have challenges. So what Luke was trying to do was to present as accurate of an account as possible about the birth and life and teaching of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. It's almost Luke, it's almost as if he knew us today. Because you might not realize it, but Luke addresses our main two struggles with faith right in these, just in these first two verses. You maybe didn't notice it, you maybe didn't catch it, but Luke addresses them both right here. The first thing we struggle with when it comes to having faith is that somewhere deep down, you might still think it's a fairy tale. You heard that somewhere. You heard, oh, it was just traditions changed over the years, and this led to that, and you know, it's all made up, it's all a fairy tale. His followers wrote it hundreds of years later. None of that's really real, but Luke doesn't give us the opportunity to think that. He really doesn't. And maybe you heard that on a History Channel documentary right after watching Ancient Aliens, all right? No, no disrespect to Ancient Aliens. Maybe you heard that in a college course, a, a grad student told you that. I mean, for me, that's the biggest question that you'll have to answer in your entire life. Were Jesus' claims real? Like, is that the real thing? Or is this just a fairy tale? Is it all made up? Luke doesn't give us the option. Luke writes as if he's reporting history as if he's writing history, as if he's reporting facts. If you read Luke, and I challenge you to do so, some of it he says, I, because he was there. He's citing eyewitnesses. He's not giving us the opportunity to say, oh, this is all made up. I mean, look at that passage. He's he's, he's listing historical figures. Caesar Caesar Augustus, Quirinius. He's giving us geographical locations. How does a fairy tale start? A long time ago in a place far, far away. No, no, no. Luke says, I'm going to give you the time. I'm going to give you whose reign, who was the king, who was the governor of this. He's making it very, very clear to us this actually happened in time. A place you can just point to on the map. If you were writing a fairy tale, I mean, if you were writing a fairy tale, would would you name someone Quirinius? I would pick Anna and Elsa, but that's just me. Maybe I like Frozen a little too much. I would do that. So Luke is very clear. This is not a fairy tale. You might not believe it, but it's very clear. He does not believe he's writing a fairy tale. The second struggle we have with our faith is the fact that bad things happen. That may not be super evident to you when you read that, when I just read that to you, but it's being very clear that bad things were happening. God's people, the Israelites, were under the thumb of the Romans. What Caesar said had to go. Caesar wants a census. You got to do what he says. It's showing something. And let me give you a little context here. God's people hadn't heard from God in a long time. There was a lot of silence. Maybe they thought they were in trouble. 
Maybe they thought God didn't love them. Maybe they thought that God had abandoned him. Maybe they were at the point where they started to say, is God even real? And many of you are there right now. Luke starts this account of Jesus' birth in an interesting way. Luke essentially says, let's compare kings. Let's compare kings. In the, in the story about the birth of the true son of God, the, 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 the real king of the universe, Jesus Christ, how does that story start? Luke starts by telling us about Caesar, the earthly king. Luke is saying, let's compare kings. Let's compare kings. Because this king coming into the world might not be what you might expect. You might miss him. You might be looking for him in the wrong place. You see, maybe you brought your expectations to the table. When it comes to God, we often bring our expectations to the table. And as a result of that, we're missing God in our life, in our family, in this season, all because we bring our expectations to the table. So you might think this, God should be doing this in my life. And if he's not, can't be real. God should be looking like this, acting like this, and he's not doing it. So maybe he's not real, but God doesn't like to go by our playbook. He doesn't go by our rule book. He likes to mix things up. Jesus Christ is not like any king you have ever seen or heard from before. He's not like Caesar. He's not like Caesar. Luke says, let's compare kings. Let's compare kings. Because you might be thinking, if God were real, this thing I'm going through in my life never would have happened. If God were real, this, this, this state of the world, it wouldn't be like that. Things would be much more peaceful. If God were real, I wouldn't be so lonely. If God were real, I wouldn't have so much anxiety and regrets and fear and dread. But Luke says, let's compare kings. He's not who you might expect him to be. Watch this. Watch this. The unexpected. Follow me to verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Turn to your neighbor, say, expect the unexpected. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, your last pick. Tell them, expect the unexpected. Okay, I'm I'm sorry to do this, but we're playing favorites today. Expect the unexpected. Did you see the shepherds? They were terrified. Something that you expect does not terrify you. It came out of the blue. God might want to do something in your life that may shake you a little bit. You may not see it coming. You may be at work just like they were, going about your normal business, and boom, something happens that utterly changes the foundation of your life. We've got to expect the unexpected. If you haven't noticed yet, that's what Christmas is all about. Ten, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I actually bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. See, we think if we can't see God working, he must not be working. Let me say that again. A lot of us struggle with this. We think if I can't see with my eyes God working, he must not be working. That's what we think. We think if we can't see how God could possibly bring good out of a dark situation, then he couldn't possibly bring good out of a dark situation. But just because you don't see it, just because you don't expect it, doesn't mean that's what he's going to do, because he can do that. He is the Almighty. He can absolutely do that. God works through unexpected ways. That's what the Christmas story is all about. The king of the universe was born to poor parents in a feed trough, in a manger. Where? Bethlehem? Where is he? Where is that? God works through the unexpected. He works 
through the unexpected. Let me ask you this. What could he be doing in your life right now that you don't see? Personalize it. What could he be doing in your life right now that you don't see? Or that's a little unexpected because it's in a different place. It's at a different time. It's through someone you didn't quite expect. Something that maybe when you find out about it, just like the shepherds, it might knock you down. It might terrify you a little bit. It might leave you shook. Is it possible that you thought God abandoned you? But he's working something right now, but it's just in an unexpected way. Could that be possible this Christmas? Something that you didn't see coming. In a way that you least expect, he might be working something to redeem your marriage. In a way that you might least expect, he's working to rebuild your finances. In a way you might least expect, he's working to get your hope back, to get your fight back, to get your passion and your fire back. In a way you least expect, he might be working something to rekindle your faith in him. But I bet he's going to do it in a way that you least expect. Because right here, in the least of all places, God was doing the greatest thing he had ever done or ever will do. This is what happened. This is what happened. Verse 3, and everyone went to their town to register. Remember Caesar? I want a census. Okay, he's the boss. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but this is a difficult time, okay? having to interrupt your plans to go on this long journey. It's dangerous. They were burglars. You're traveling with little ones. It's a hard situation. This describes a very difficult time. It's easy to think he doesn't hear you, but I wanted to tell you today, he hears you. He hears you. He absolutely hears you. And I came to tell you, he's going to do something about it. He's seen you struggle. He's seen your heartache. He's seen you lose sleep. He's seen the struggle with fertility. He's seen the divorce papers. He's seen the thoughts of bankruptcy. And he's not just sitting up on a cloud saying, man, that sucks. That's rough. Mm, That's a tough situation. That's not what he's doing. But that's what a lot of us think about God. But you see, God hearing you is cool. That's a cool thing. But he's almost not a good God if he hears you but doesn't do something about it. He's almost worse. If he hears you, if he knows your situation, but is like, hmm, that's not a good God. That's not a God worthy of worship. If he gets the 911 call, but does nothing, he's almost worse. He's almost worse. But you need to realize he doesn't send a rule book. He sends his son. Some of y'all think that's what he does. He's just going to sit up in heaven saying, all right, do this. Don't do that. Here's the Bible. Take it. You know, I told you so. You should have done this and that. That's what you think about him. But he doesn't send a rule book. He sends his son. That's what Christmas is all about. One of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. That means God with us. This was the time when God said, I love you so much. I care about you so much. I've seen you struggling. I'm going to be with you. God came in the flesh on Christmas Day, because he got the 911 call. And he didn't just say, man, that's rough. He said, I'm coming to help. I'm coming to help because God is with us. If you think faith is this, him up in heaven, writing a book a million miles away, don't think that. 
Don't do that. I wanted to tell you he came down. He came down on Christmas. What kind of parent, if your child is crying, scratches knee, upset, fussing, what kind of parent comes to a crying child and says, let me give you some advice? That's what you think God wants to do for you. Just tell you things. Do this, do that. You mess this up. I'm talking to the ladies in particular. Can I talk to the ladies for a second? Sometimes, and this is from my own experience, if this doesn't describe your household, forgive me, pardon me, but ladies, sometimes you've had a rough day. And you're frustrated, you're angry, and you just want someone to relate to you. And your husband comes home, and you just want to tell him the story. But he just wants to fix it. Do we have any fixers here? I see some of the ladies looking at their man, giving them the eye. Where, where are the fixers at? Ladies can be fixers too. We have one honest couple in the whole, in the whole church. Say, okay, we see some fixers. Ladies, if your man didn't raise his hand, give him a little jab. Have, make him put his hand up a little bit. It's turning into a marriage seminar right now. Y'all ready for this? I had to learn this the hard way. Men, when your girl wants to talk, don't just give her solutions. Listen to her. She wants to know you understand her, that you're with her, that you're going to walk with her through it before you just start dishing out advice. What you need to realize, that's what God did. That's what God did. When he saw us dying in our sin, he didn't just say, hey, try harder. Hey, if you mess this up, hey, here's how to fix it. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to come down. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bear your sin. I'm going to carry it all the way to a cross. I'm going to walk with you. That's what he said. That's what he did. He said, I'm with you. I want to enter into the pain in your life, into the struggle, into the harshness. God is not just a concept. He must become a reality to you. Some of us believe in God. There's a difference in believing in God and actually having him right here. And I hope some of us take this step today. For some of us, he's just a concept. He needs to become a living reality. He wants to enter into your life. He wants to be close. It says he wants to count every hair on your head. That's intimacy. That's closeness. He wants to wipe away every tear from your eye. That's intimacy. That's closeness. You can't do that from a million miles away up on a cloud somewhere. You have to do that right in someone's face. That's what he wants for you. That's what he showed us on Christmas. Let's go back to what happened with the angels and the shepherds. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. That's how they talk. That's what they said. Let's go see this thing which the Lord had told us about. You see, Bethlehem was like Pungo. Hashtag people of Pungo. Hashtag Pungo pride. Hashtag no stoplights. Were there any Pungo people in the house? Yes. Y'all are so mean. Everyone's just laughing at Pungo. Everyone's laughing. One person actually, I'm, I'm not in Pungo. I'm close. I'm close. Bethlehem is like Pungo. You're like, what happened there? People live there? What? But look, here's what you need to know. When God seems distant, he might be closer than ever before. When he seems far off, he may be closer than ever before. He might be working something huge right around the corner in Pungo, in Bethlehem. He might have the biggest miracle in the history of the world cooking up in Pungo in a feed trough. That's where he chose to enter in because at Christmas, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the silence, in the midst of the crazy, those three words might describe your Christmas season. God entered in. That's what he did. 
God was setting up the greatest miracle he would ever pull off. And I came to tell you, God is working a plan even when you can't see. Because you might not think to check Pungo. You might not look there because there's no stoplights there, okay? And you're about to quit. You're about to give up because you don't think he's doing anything. I came to tell you, hold on. I want you to hold on. Hold on to your marriage. Hold on to your finances. Hold on to the relationship with your kids. Hold on to your fight. Hold on. He's doing something. You know how many people lived in Jerusalem right around the corner and said, God's abandoned us. He's left. He's not real. I told you he wasn't real. And just at that moment, right across town in a feed trough for animals, he was bringing about the salvation of the world. That's what he did. That's what he did. And he wants to do something similar in your life. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Luke starts the story with Caesar on his throne. And he ends it with Jesus in the manger. He's saying, let's compare kings. Let's compare kings. I want to show you what the real king of the universe is like because Jesus is our unexpected king. He isn't what we expect. Be careful about bringing your expectations about what God should do and who God should be because if you do, you might miss him. Let me say that again. Be careful about bringing your expectations to the table about what God should do and about who God should be because if you do, you might miss him. You might miss him. People weren't looking for a little poor boy named Jesus. They weren't looking for him. He was right there, but they missed him. So many of us, we throw our faith away because we say, you know what? If God really loved me, that relationship would have worked out. If God really loved me, I would have got that job. If God really loved me, this terrible thing in my life wouldn't have happened. You have no idea what good or what glory he's going to bring out of his situation. He loves the unexpected. He loves the unexpected. Be careful about bringing your expectations to the conversation with God because you might miss him. You might miss him. A friend of mine in seminary, which is like grad school for pastors, he went through a tough time, and I want to share his brief story with you today. He was in a situation where maybe y'all can relate to. He was struggling with his faith. He was questioning if God was real. He was going through some financial issues, some, some questions about the future. He was essentially asking why. I didn't think God would do this. I didn't think he would do that. He was asking why a lot. He was frustrated. He was scared, and he was seeking God hard. He was reading books and going to Bible studies and listening to music. And he was looking for something, some sign from God, some, 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 some little flag. But everywhere he looked, he found nothing. He started to lose hope. He started to lose faith. And he started to question, is God even real? But one night, my friend had a dream. You ever have a real vivid dream? Like you don't know if, you're, if it's real or not? Like this was a very, very vivid dream. And in his dream, this is weird, but follow me. He was in this giant church, miles high, miles wide, lights. It was beautiful. And he realized in his dream, he said, oh my, my goodness, I'm, I'm in heaven. And I get the opportunity to go ask God to bring in my expectations and say, why did this not happen how I expected? Where were you when this was going on? Where were you in my car accident? Where were you in my divorce? Where were you in that sickness? Where were you? Why is all this going on? And he walked through the church and he saw the sanctuary. And he couldn't see very clearly. It seemed like a mile away. He saw the throne of God down in the distance. And it was so bright, he couldn't really see what was going on. But he said, there, that's it. I can talk to God. So he started running for it, sprinting for it. And y'all know how painful and terrible cardio is. 
even in a dream, he's going for it. And it's bright. He can't really see what's going on. And he gets closer and closer. And he can't see. He can't see. And he gets up right to what he thought was the throne of God. And it's so bright, he can't see. He said, now's my chance. I get to ask him why. Where were you? I get to do it. And he looked up. And the throne was empty. And that's how it feels for a lot of us in this room. That nobody's in control that nobody's in charge, that God isn't really there. It, perfectly, it was a perfect picture of what my friend was going through. And you know what he did? He did what most of us will do. He just gave up. He collapsed on the floor, thrones here, he's here. He just collapsed, laid down. He said, I knew it. He said, this is just a big cosmic tease. This is jacked up. This is messed up. He lays down and he just starts bawling, bawling. But he was so focused on his expectations, he missed something. Because as he cried, as he wept, a voice all of a sudden spoke to him very close. A voice said very kindly, why are you crying? And my friend looked over. He didn't notice that someone actually was sitting next to him. He didn't notice. He didn't see it at first. He was just focused on this empty throne. And, he, and so he, he, he didn't recognize the person, but deep down in some distant memory, he looked, he looked a little familiar. And so he said, well, I had all these expectations. I had all these questions for God. I wanted to ask why this, why that. All these expectations aren't being met. And this man, this stranger listened very, very closely. And when my friend was done, the stranger looked him right in the eye. He put his hand on his shoulder. And he said, I know this is hard. I know you're afraid. But I will be with you. My friend woke up. That's all he needed. That was the answer he needed. If it ever feels like God is not on his throne and you don't know where to look, quit looking up at your expectations and look beside you because that's where he is. That is the kind of king we have. He's with us in the struggle. He's with us in the question. He is with us in the doubt and the uncertainty. He is not a king like you might expect. He is Jesus Christ. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God with you. With his arm on your shoulder, holding you up, wiping away your tears, carrying you through the pain, walking you through the disaster, guarding you while you sleep, fighting for you every single day. That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of God you you have. If you're asking, where are you, God, in the midst of all this? He's next to you. He's beside you. He's not a million miles away on some throne far off in heaven watching you saying, man, that's rough. He is next to you. If it ever feels like God is not on his throne and you don't know where to look, stop looking up at your expectations and look beside you because that's where he is, next to you. His arm on your shoulder, wiping away every tear, guiding you through the darkest times of our life. And he showed, he proved his love on Christmas Day. That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son into this place on Christmas Day. Father God, we bring so many expectations about who you are, what you're supposed to be doing. And God, help everyone know today, if it ever feels like you are not on your throne, and if we don't know where to look, God, challenge us, help us to quit looking at all our expectations and to look beside us because that's where you are, holding up our heads, wiping away every tear, guiding us through life. 
Father, I thank you for the miracle of Christmas. I thank you that you always said you loved us, but on Christmas, you came down to show how much you loved us. You were born in a manger. And eventually, Jesus, you went up on that cross to die for our sins, to die in our place. I praise you for that. I thank you for that. If anyone here in the sound of my voice is honestly thinking, I don't know God. I don't feel like I have that. I've never asked God into my life. I've never asked him into my heart. I, I honestly don't know anything about this. I want to give you an opportunity to ask him into your life today. This isn't about having good marks and having all the answers and being perfect. It's simply acknowledging, God, I need help. Please come into my life, come into my heart. If this is you today, with all heads down and all eyes closed, just simply pray this prayer after me. Silently, from your heart to God. Nobody's looking. Simply pray this. Say, Father God, I want to know you. I thank you, God, that love came down in the person of Jesus Christ. Father God, I repent from running my life. I'm going to ask you to run it. I lay my life at Jesus' feet. Thank you for the miracle of Christmas and for coming into our lives. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just invited Jesus Christ into your heart, God promises to give us a fresh start, a new beginning. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see your guilt, your past, your mistakes. He sees the perfect love that he has for his son. That's what he offers us in that. If you ask Jesus into your heart for the first time today, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward or anything like that. But with all heads down, with all eyes closed, I'd love for you to do something bold. I'm going to count down from three. And when I hit one, I'd love for you to, if you prayed that prayer, to shoot your hand in the air, just because I want to pray for you right here and right now. Nobody's looking. It's just us. It's just us. If you prayed that prayer today, if you invited Jesus into your heart, into your life, I'm going to count down from three to two. Do something bold. One. Please shoot your hand up just very quick if you prayed that prayer today. Praise God in the back. I see you in the fifth row. Praise God for you. You may put your hands down. I just want to pray for you right quick. Father God, I thank you for these folks who maybe understood your love for the first time today. Father, fill them with your spirit. May them realize that Turning to you is the best Christmas gift they could ever receive. And may you be glorified today. May this be a Christmas that they never forget. And may you be glorified today here in this place. We thank you for Christmas. And we lift your name high. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.